When I was 11, my parents split up, for good, which means that for over half of my life, I was and continue to be raised by a single mother. As a disclaimer, I will tell you that I'm not going to go into great detail about the separation of my parents. That said, my mother has so graciously and selflessly decided to share her story with you and I, and I hope you can open your hearts to her vulnerability. Anyway... Welcome to this episode of Daughter. So, undoubtedly, many of you who listen have probably wondered about the story of my father. Honestly, the story of him and I is a short one, and my life has been shaped by my experiences with my mother. I am not my father's daughter. I am my mother's daughter. But even as her daughter, even with our lives being so connected... I had no idea how much work was put into raising me and my three siblings. When I started to to be a single mother, I have worked for that time too. I try to go to school. I like to learn English because when I go to the doctor, I don't have to translate. And then I'm stuck to tell tell doctor what happened for my kid and, and me too. And I said, okay, I'm going to learn English. Soon after the separation of my parents, my mom was determined to improve her English. If you have ever tried to learn another language in your adult years, you know just how difficult a task like that is. Yet still, my mother was determined. So she signed up for ESL classes. When I start to go to, 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 to school, it's very hard for me. It's the winter. I have worked Two boys, they start in school. So, since my two older brothers were in school, my mom had to organize herself in order to get them there. And at the time, she had to send my sister and I to daycare as well. So, every day she would first... wake up at 4.30 to shower and get dressed. Then she would prepare three lunches, one for her, two for my brothers... Once that was done, she would wake us all up, yell at us a couple of times to hurry up and get dressed, and then after we'd file down into the kitchen, usually missing a sock or not having brushed our teeth, and she would have a humble breakfast ready and waiting for us on the table. I remember those breakfasts fondly. My mom made a mean bowl of oatmeal. Anyway, after we were done eating, we had to get boots, hats, mittens, and every other winter protection on and ready to go to school and our government-subsidized daycare program. And all of this needed to be done before 6.30 so she could make her way to English class in downtown Calgary. Once we were all dropped off, it was not yet time to sigh as she had to run to catch the bus and once she was at school, peace. Until 2 o'clock, when she had to pick my brothers up from school. But first, she had to pick up my sister and I, so she could avoid late fees, then go get my brothers. Once home, she had to clean and prepare dinner, do English homework, then get us all ready for bed. The next day, it would start all over again. To be completely honest, my mother was almost invisible to me. I don't have memories of her 
from when I was young because she was always either at work or at school. She was quiet. She blended in with the minor details of my life. I remember church activities. I remember daycare. I remember school. I barely remember my mother. She herself even started to feel like she was blending into the walls. As the weather started to change and leaves started returning to the trees, my mother's English improved, and it turns out, for those long, cold, and difficult months, someone had been watching her. She wasn't as invisible as she had once thought. We went to park, play, play around for, uh, for, for a kid, and that lady asked me, where are you from? And I said, I'm from South Sudan. She said, you don't have any parent in here? I said, no. She said, you don't have a husband? I said, no. I said, why you ask me? Because I know a little bit English in that time. And then she told me, you are a very strong woman. Because all, all winter, we watch you always in the morning. You wait bus. And evening, you wait bus. You go to shopping for your poor kid. I don't see anybody to visit you. My mother, in reflecting on this woman and the words she shared with her, remembers the tears that fell from this stranger's face. Someone noticed her. She wasn't invisible. She was seen. Life was as hard as she thought it was. This was a moment of validation. As the years passed, my mother started working more and more, and my brothers took a larger responsibility in raising me and my younger sister, and eventually my younger brother. This was unfair to them, but it's what had to happen. We could either have food on the table, or my brothers could hang out with their friends. The decision was made for them. But still, when they were in their early teens, they were just kids. Kids who didn't know how to make dinner, who didn't know when to feed someone, who didn't really know anything. They were kids, not parents. My mother knew that. She knew she was putting them in a difficult position, but she also knew that she had no choice. While I don't have many childhood experiences with my mother, I do remember when I was older that she worked a lot. I remember her being tired sleeping all day, then going to work as a cleaner at the local university. This was years and years of her life. She was my exhausted mother. And we were her children. Sometimes they don't cook food. They go sleep without anybody give them food. Even I cook food, they forget it, they go sleep. I remember those nights. We would eat, but we usually ate like cereal or ramen noodles we didn't eat the healthy stuff our mom made, so we made our own food. Sometimes they sleep in living room. I remember that too. We would spend so much time watching movies and avoiding our homework that some of us fell asleep on the couch. Others of us went to our beds. What I don't remember is my mom getting home at... 1.30 at night or 2 o'clock because I miss bus sometimes. I did not know that... I have three bus to go to Monroyal College. I work at Monroyal College. When I miss bus in there, it takes me long. I come home at 2.30 sometime at, at night. And I most definitely didn't know that oftentimes my mom would get home and... And then when I saw my kid in living room, the rest of them went to sleep. 
up there, I'm crying. But I know it's alive in Canada. I better bought a separate like that when we leave your country. For a long time, I called my mom my hero. In fact, when I described her, she started sounding a little bit like Superman. She, like him, was an immigrant. Here in my life to save me from myself. Like Superman, she had superhuman strength. One time, I watched her carry one kid on her hip and the other on her back. Heat vision? Check. She used that power almost exclusively when I talked back to her. She was everything I needed. But then I listened to this conversation again, the one you just heard, especially the end, and I felt like I'd been missing something. So I listened again, and again, and again, and again, and I increasingly felt more and more uncomfortable with my conclusion to the story. I realized that I wasn't really listening to her. My mom was expressing her pain, and for one reason or another, I decided that her pain was what had made her so amazing. To me, for so much of her life, her struggle and hard work were these admirable qualities that would somehow validate her as a mom. In my mind, I decided that if I just said she's amazing, all that pain would go away. Moms, I thought, just needed a little bit of encouragement from time to time. And as true as that may be, it didn't fix the problem, because there's still pain there. In trying to understand and take in this information, I realized that I'll inherently never understand what it's like to be her. Because every day, I wake up at 6 a.m. I mean, I try to. At least, around two snoozes later, I finally get up. Once I realize how little time I have, I run to the washroom and start preparing myself for the day. While brushing my teeth, I usually glance at the shower, regretfully realizing and coming to terms with the fact that I didn't leave myself enough time to shower. Once I'm all ready, I walk over to the kitchen and start preparing a breakfast for myself. Usually it's oatmeal, though it's never quite as good as my mom used to make it. And since I've left myself no time, I inhale my meal and start running out the door because as usual, I'm running late. Three times out of five, I go back home because I'm really forgetful and I have to get my keys or my wallet from the kitchen table, then head out again. Once I'm out, I speed walk to work, which gives me some time to clear my mind and reflect on things. I can't believe he's the premier. Anyway, I finally get to work and spend most of the day there. Once that's finished, I usually have something like French class or once in a blue moon I'll decide to hit the gym, but for the sake of time, I'll cut this artistic display of my day journal here and let you know that eventually I make my way back to bed and then six to seven hours later it starts all over again. This is my life. 
I'm a 23-year-old recent graduate who hits the snooze button two to three times each morning, who usually rushes to work, who would rather waste away her good knee years on TV than hit the gym. I'm 23, and to a certain degree, I get to be concerned with just me. My mom never had the opportunity to take advantage of that same luxury. She never really had the chance to be concerned with just her. She was always daughter, wife, and mother. She's always been told what her future is and what her responsibilities are, how she's supposed to live her life. As I revisit my memories, I realize now that I created a story for her with half of the picture in front of me, that being my own perspective and my own experience. I'm learning now that my mother was not excited by the demands of motherhood. In fact, they exhausted her. She was not happy to take on the burden of raising us on her own. There were times where she actually dreaded the thought of it. What I saw as quiet resilience was quiet anxiety, and she did such a good job, honestly, of hiding all of that from me. So much so that when I saw her, I didn't see a struggling and exhausted single mother. I saw a hero, one who made sacrifices for me because she was endlessly selfless. But I can't say that anymore because now that I'm listening to her, I'm also starting to realize that in order for her to have made a sacrifice, she needed to have a choice. And she never got that. Not in the way that I did, and do, at least. From the moment she was born, she was destined to be a mother with little to no control over when, if, or how she wanted that to be a part of her future. Motherhood was not a sacrifice for her. It was the result of a theft of her agency. As her daughter, that is a tough pill to swallow. And as such, I'm coming to the conclusion that the worst thing about growing up for me has not been the taxes, the confirmation that politicians are in fact untrustworthy, the fact that I have to go to work every morning. It hasn't been the stress over debt or having times where there was just $5 in my bank account. While all of those things are real and burdensome and deeply stressful, the worst thing about growing up has definitely been realizing that my superhero was a myth I created in my own insecurity. That my mother has suffered greatly at the hands of so much oppression. That things have never been as easy as they thought they'd been. And in many ways, I feel so powerless to her history and the result of these issues in our lives. I feel helpless knowing that my mother is just human, like the rest of us. But the really nice thing about growing up is understanding that as the main character Hello, of my Mom? story, good. I can't really. Hear I don't you. really need a superhero. Oh, I can hear. The really you nice now. thing about growing up is realizing that I have my Are you my busy mom right now? And she has me. No, I'm okay. Are you at home? Okay. I was just calling to say that I was thinking a lot about when you were telling me about how hard it was to be a single mom and stuff. Uh, and I just wanted to say that I really appreciate all the work. And even that if you've things aren't always ideal, all the sacrifices we can you made figure for it out together. And 
I love you and I'm the best thing about growing up is closing this chapter and writing a new one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Daughter. You're welcome. I just wanted to let you know that. And I was thinking about you and I'm here to help with anything that you need. Okay, so I'm going to say this really fast because my battery is about to die and I do not have time to buy a new one. Um, big thank you to Daughter's latest donor, Caitlin, who through Patreon is supporting this work. I spend hours and hours on this podcast and also a little bit of money, so donors like you are helping make this project a reality. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again. If you enjoyed this story, please consider donating to my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash daughterpdcst. If you're low on funds, I would encourage you to share this episode with someone you think might enjoy it. And also, this is not a suggestion, it is a demand. Go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Rumor has it that your reviews make it easier for people to find the show. And that's all I want. So go do that, like, right now. Go! Shout out to my mom for being a really cool person. I wrote a short essay version of this episode on my website. If you'd like to read more of my thoughts on the topic, go to www.daughterpdcst.com. The music you heard in this episode will be linked in the description of the show. And the artwork you saw on Instagram was created by at Marissa on Instagram, who also has really great style. If you liked it, please give her a follow. Until next time, thank you for listening to Daughter.